0: Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth.
1: Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best.
2: Hi, this is Mindy Smith, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth.
1: Today's topic is breaking the stereotypical mold part 2. When I worked in Churchland many years ago as a director of worship and creative arts, I remember fondly a team member who went through a lot of trouble. A shy, quiet brainiac, we'll call him Mitch, joined our worship team to be in charge of computers and sound. Mitch was gentle in spirit, supportive as a friend and very patient. Although he wasn't very outgoing, we listened to everything he would ever talk about. One night after practice, Mitch informed us that his wife was unhappy in their marriage and had threatened to leave him. He was devastated. They had no children, both worked very long hours, but she was itching for someone more outgoing, someone more expressive, someone Mitch was not. His wife, we'll call her Sally, was impatient, critical, and bossy. I remember having several encounters with her that were not related whatsoever with her husband, but church things, totally the opposite of Mitch. It was hard to deal with her. What we didn't know is that Mitch was being abused. Yes, I said that. It's not as common for us to hear about men being abused, but it's truth. He wasn't being physically beaten, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, Mitch was being torn apart. His quiet nature began to go underground. He wasn't showing up for rehearsals. He no longer wanted to be in charge, and he stopped coming to church altogether. No one knew what was happening to Mitch. It took some time for me to break through, but I took another team member over to visit him. We discovered what had happened. Mitch was completely taken over by the fact that his wife had left him. Although he was no longer experiencing abuse, He was, however, feeling the aftermath of what had happened to him. He chose to become a recluse. He chose to believe the lies that were instilled in him every day. He was told he was lazy, worthless, emotionless, and no one would ever love him. His wife did a great number on him, and he bought into the whole thing, hook, line, and sinker. Here's an example of what will happen to us when bad takes place and we give into it. Scripture tells us, quote, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's taken right out of Romans. Every one of us is sinful, but when that sin perpetuates itself on others and abuse deconstructs our souls, it's time to make changes and get up off the floor. It's not time to continue to lay down and get kicked. The church did not support my friend Mitch, even though his wife left him. They were against divorce, so they started to treat Mitch with a know-it-all attitude, telling him it was time to work on the marriage, call her back, become different, change, make whatever it was necessary to make the difference to get her back. Instead, the team and I looked at Mitch and pulled him in close and said, No, let's work on you, Mitch. We fed him. We bought him some furniture. We redecorated his main floor. We took him out for a haircut, a movie, a meal. We began to reinstill in him life, breath, and encouragement. It took about one year of working right next to Mitch, but together the team and I helped him take back his life, his mind, and his hope. He stepped out of what happened to him and began anew. He became better through the trials of what had happened to him. Three years later, Mitch met the woman of his dreams who believed in him and loved him just as he was. But if Mitch had stayed in that same place and never broke free from the mold of despair, discouragement, and depression, I can't even imagine how bad off he would have been. Friends, this is not the life that God wants for us. He wants us to live our best life. My ministry's core verse is how Jesus talks about situations just like this. John 10.10 The thief, Satan, comes to steal and destroy, but I came to give you real and eternal life more and better life than you ever dreamed of. God himself has created us with talents, desires, and dreams. He wants us to live our best life and live it to its fullest. But how do we accomplish that when the odds are against us? How do we break free and become who we're supposed to be, who we're meant to be when bad things have happened to us? On today's episode of Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, my guest, Nilcha Doubleday-Kings, who now just goes as Nilcha. We'll continue with part two of our interview and we'll talk about her physical and sexual abuse as a child, her two failed marriages, and yet how she rose above it all to make something out of her life. She broke right out of the mold. Nelcha grew up in the famous wealthy Doubleday publishing family, moved across country from New York to Wyoming, wrote her own memoirs and discovered and developed her love for nature and art. So I read that at the age of 30, you began to draw. Is that right? You began to do your well, art Well, yeah, I was
2: just about that age. I It was a little bit before. Um, but, you know, I failed art in the third grade. Now, how can you fail art <laughs> in the third <laughs> I grade?
1: I don't know. How, who was your teacher? What were they thinking, huh? I was
2: failing because I didn't keep... M- I didn't keep in the lines.
1: I didn't crayon within the lines. Mm, Okay.
2: And I think that is very important for young people to learn is they don't have to stay in the lines. If they think of a duck and they want to draw a duck who has shocking pink eyes and yellow tail and uh, green wings and purple feet and says walk, go right ahead and do it. That's
1: right. And you know what? My daughter, my youngest daughter, is an art teacher right here in town. And when she was five, the art teacher at her school said, no, no, you cannot color with your left hand. You cannot cut scissors with your left hand. Uh, 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 she uh, said, uh, uh, uh. yeah, I know. She said, the world isn't made for left-handed people. And I said to my daughter, you go right ahead. You just use that left hand. She became a really fabulous artist, but right away, you know, was coloring outside the lines, doing yeah. her own thing. Um, yeah, so did you, that's as, very important. It is. Did you? Now you're this incredible abstract expressionist painter. You're well-known all over the world. I I love the pictures of watching you paint. I mean, I looked online and saw you standing next to these gigantic paintings that you've created. So tell us how Wyoming has inspired you as this artist.
2: Well, I think the a, a good deal of it is because there is sunshine. First of all, there is huge sense of space. Mm. And whether, you're talking, whether I'm talking about the space that I have in my garden here or whether it's the space that I have looking down the valley to the Bighorn Mountains or if it's the space of just looking at the skyline of the mountains, there is nothing in between anything. Mm. There is, from one side of the horizon to the other, nothing other than hills.
1: So it feeds the soul, doesn't it, to be able to create?
2: Yes, it yeah. gives breath to the soul. Mm,
1: I like that. When we arrived in Buffalo, Wyoming, which isn't too far from you, right? No, okay. No. So the ma- I have a cabin
2: south, just south up there.
1: That's so great. The mountains, the air, the wildlife—they just all spoke to me. And living each day, overlooking here in Southwest Minnesota flat. Fields of Grain is not as ex- inspiring as it was driving up the, you know, Bighorn Mountains. Yeah. yeah. In your book, North of Crazy, a memoir, you talk about your journey to Wyoming. And I'm going to read a little excerpt here for our listeners. The little North folk, Fork of Crazy Woman Creek, aptly named for my life, tumbles out of the mountain through this land of mine, meanders across the plains, marries into the Powder River, the Yellowstone, the Missouri, and finally the Mississippi. I think on the pioneers, the guts it took to travel this tough country in the 1800s. And I remember the courage it took me to leave the East, the comfort of the familiar to make a life out of the scraps of myself. And listeners, this is just a little quote from her book, North of Crazy. So, Tell us first of all why you have that title, because I love this. Tell the listeners why why that well, title. You
2: know, well, the title is sort of a um, that's the, my cabin is on the little North Fork of Crazy Woman Creek. Right now, Crazy Woman was a um, <clears throat> she was that she's a legend here. Um, I think she was a white woman most people do who was escaped an Indian attack and who lived up in the the mountains here and eventually came down to the to buffalo occasionally but she was um she was not rotten ahead, head as they would say <laughs> um, and so north of crazy was I have always been um, somebody who did something as opposed to thought about doing something. Um, And I've never had training to do what I did.
1: (laughs) That's right. I read that you were a self-taught artist.
2: Yeah. And I'm a self-taught writer. So um, I'm a great believer in... And just taking a look, and we are all responsible for what, for ourselves, nobody else is. I mean, go go on and blame your family forever and a half, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to do you any good or blame somebody who has treated you badly, unless you pick yourself up and start doing something and feel good about yourself, and that is is the essence of what I've lived by, and I'm a doer, I can't stand sitting around doing nothing.
1: And I love that. So tell the listeners, can we ask you, tell them how old you are? I'm 82. So at 82, you have done so many things and you're still doing them. Did you ever think that as a New Yorker, your soul would feel more complete living far away from that lifestyle and living simplistically out west in Wyoming?
2: Um, I dreamt about it. Did you? I dreamt about it. I dreamt about it being free. I dreamt about... I came out to the West with the kids at one point when I separated from my husband, and I felt so so free. Mm. Um, I was just afraid of being me. Mm. I had been put down so often for so long, I didn't have any self-confidence when I moved out here. So... And, That's why it took so much courage, because it was like, what are you going to do when you get up there?
1: Right. Do you feel that that was mostly from growing up and your parents being so distant and disconnected, and then the kind of bad husbands? I mean, do you feel like... Yes. That was
2: a combination of that. Right. And it was a combination of my making the choice to get married at 18, to whom I did. I have two great kids. I wouldn't change a... But what you do at 18 is not necessarily the brightest thing in the world.
1: That's exactly right. Because that's what I did at age 19, you know, marrying somebody who was an alcoholic and I he was five years older. And then, you know, he fell into drugs. And so I know that feeling that you're talking about, because when I walked out the door with my three kids, you know, after all the abuse, I felt so free, I felt like I had been somebody living downtown New York with big buildings and you had thrown me into Wyoming, into the open fields. It was the most freeing thing. And then being under people's you know, bossy control, you don't get the freedom to express who you are and become who you are. And I think I'm a better person for going through it because I can help people. And I believe that about you that you became somebody great and encouraging and inspiring because of the awful things you went through. You know, you're. A great, I think
2: that's. I you, think that's true, and yeah. I think that's why a great part I wrote the book was to, in order to um, free others. Yes. Who might have be going have gone through being sexually abused mm-hmm. as a kid um, and being um, emotionally abused as a kid and as a as a wife. And what eventually it comes down to is just really hard work.
1: It is. It's not only really hard work, but it's like what you said, where you have to figure out who are you and find yourself and be able to free yourself and walk into what you were actually meant to do. So when you and I corresponded, you were getting back from traveling to places like India, Iran, Jordan, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Oman, is that how you say it? That's right. Okay, do you ever feel afraid to travel now in the world when things are kind of unsettled?
2: Um, I had moments about worrying about Iran, um, and then the woman who was running the um, trip said, Sent out word that that was perfectly safe. She felt, and I said, "Okay, let's just do it." Um, <clears throat> I have traveled to very far places, and that interests me a lot. I like, and I like primitive peoples. I like primitive peoples in Africa. I like primitive peoples in um, the South Pacific and in Indonesia and West Papua. Uh, which is the other part of uh, Papua New Guinea. Um, I'm interested in their art and their textiles. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see how other people live. Yeah, yeah. And
1: you told how me that... How do they
2: manage? Yes. You... When you look at people who live in West Belfau, and they fish, and they grow sorghum, and that's it. Yeah. So, um I like remembering them,
1: hmm. and do you feel like that's part of the um inspiration that encourages you to do this great art that you do to create?
2: oh absolutely, and you can't you can't tabulate it in any individual thing mm-hmm. I don't necessarily even think of them when I'm
1: creating,
2: but it gives me. It fills me because it fills my heart. It makes my heart wider. It makes my brain a little wider. It makes my body still work, and um, it gives me great joy. I remember their laughter and their tears.
1: Mm. That's wonderful. I remember
2: their artwork.
1: Mm.
2: So and
1: when you're... you know
2: it's all, and creativity, we are all just talking.
1: Yes. So when you are painting. How long does it take you to do one of those very large, massive creations?
2: You know, I am often asked that, and my answer to it is the 80 years or the 81 years or the 82 years, because it isn't a matter of time.
0: Mm. It's a
2: matter of all the years put together of when, of what you, of. Of what you gather inside is like your fruit bowl. Okay. You know, you couldn't do it without the education that you've ass-
1: assimilated. Sure, sure. So, Nilcha, my purpose for this show today is because, you know, I stumbled across who you were when I was doing my research for the Sheridan Inn, but I found out that as I read about you and studied, Here's this incredible woman who traveled to the West Coast, from the East Coast, made a new life, you know, became this wonderful um, person who was able to repurpose and restore the Sheridan, saved it, and then you've got this incredible gift of painting, and you believe in people, and you believe in nature, and you use all that, to create these beautiful pieces. So that's true. I, I love this about you because you're an inspiration to me. you've You've picked up, you've moved out. People would think that someone that came from a wealthy family would have had it made. And you've proven that that didn't really help, did it? I mean, that that couldn't help your life because life is <laughs> what it is. But tell us, if you could share with people from your 82 years, your plethora of wisdom, what would you let people know that you've learned, a couple things that you feel are really important?
2: Um, Trust yourself. Learn how to trust yourself, I think, um, is the kernel that I live by. Um, I think most people are intuitive by nature, and they are taught not to be, so I believe in my intuition, and I believe in others, um, in the, um, gift of, um, just the gift of being that we all have together, that we're all human beings and we can share. And that we are responsible for ourselves. And often we're not told that, that life is a journey and you can change your mind and shift, and shift gears and go somewhere else. It's up to you. Mm, it so is beautiful. individual. That's right. And ask for help.
1: Mm. I think a lot of people forget that piece. They don't want to ask for help. I think it takes somebody strong inside to say, I need help. Don't you think?
2: Absolutely. I'm lousy at it.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? I believe that if I would have been better at it, I probably would have saved myself a lot of (laughs) <laughs> um, a, lot a lot of trouble. Yes, that's so so true. Well, I am so excited that you were here on the show with me today. You are such an incredible blessing. And for listeners out there who have been through abuse, who have been through harm, who have been married to the wrong partner, it's very very easy for us to, you know, blame ourselves and blame others. But the truth is from both me and from Nelcha's stories you know, sometimes it's okay to tell yourself you've learned from it, you get up, you walk out, and you move on. And she's That's an, right, you she,
2: move on. You
1: do. She's an inspiration to us today. So, listeners, if you want to purchase this incredible book, I know you will. It's called North of Crazy, a memoir, and you're going to find out more information about NILCHA at N-E-L-T-J-E dot com. And you can check out this fabulous artwork that I'm talking about throughout the show and learn more about her. And if you have any questions, you can email me here at Kathy at bestlifeministries.com. Nilcha, it has been such a privilege to talk to you today. Thank you for being. It was a delight. I had a
2: great time with you.
1: Thank you for being on the show and blessings to you. And thanks to um, everything you said that will encourage our listeners. Walking through the bad things in life that have happened to us is not easy. As a matter of fact, the older I get, the more I realize that the bad things in life may make us better if we let them, but sometimes we have to go back to God time and time again to release the anger, the frustration, hurt, pain, and ask God for continued healing. We won't be able to do this alone. In Hebrews 13.5, Scripture tells us, What a great comfort it is to know that God is with us. It says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God's with us through it all. What a comfort. But we need to ask for help, ask for strength, and ask God to pull us out of the place of bitterness and help us not to remain captive in that bad prison of unforgiveness, guilt, and shame. Here's a song I love from a group called All Sons and Daughters. The title is called, Oh, How I Need You. Lord,
0: I find you in the seeking, Lord, I find you in the doubt, and to know you is to love you, and to know so little else I need. Find you in the doubt. For oh, your yes, side, I will go
1: As I think about Neltja's interview, I realize that having money doesn't make life perfect. Her family were very wealthy, famous individuals, and yet that didn't make them their best, did it? Neltcha was abused as a child, emotionally, mentally, and eventually sexually abused by an adult. while well, she was just a helpless little girl. Sin is rampant in our world today. Wealth, job status, where you live or what you own won't keep you from it. Not even being a devout follower of Christ makes you exempt from the sin of this world. This morning, I woke up to the news of another shooting. Innocent lives were snuffed out by people who didn't care, didn't know them, and were just angry and violent. You and I may ask God often, why? If you are a loving and good God, why are you allowing this to happen? The answer? Because there's sin in the world and God has given us free choice. When other religions and people are demanding that you accept their viewpoint or die, this is not free choice. God doesn't want robots. God wants humans who choose him. And choosing God doesn't mean that life is perfect, or everyone would choose him to follow him for the wrong reasons. Bad things happen to good people, but what we do after those bad things, that's what makes the good people. That's what separates those who are going to stay hostage in their own prisons with people who are out, breaking free, moving through wide-open spaces. Listeners, move past the pain of sin that's encompassed you. Perhaps it's hurt from evil that's descended upon you. When you retreat and become a recluse like my friend Mitch, you are trapped in a prison of another person's sin. It's time to break free. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, sin is rampant in today's world. Evil is lurking around every corner, just waiting to envelop us. Be our protector, our guide, and our strength. Help us to break free from the chains and prison of the enemy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes, and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to com. Hey, thanks for being with us today, and until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.